Hey, Phil, good to be with you. I, um, we have a lot to talk about, obviously. I think the, you know, the issue that we perhaps could start with is this. All of us, one way or another, are usually wrong in some aspect of our judgments about any war mm -hmm. uh, as it's going on. But it, it does seem to me that in the case of this war, there have been more misjudgments uh, in anticipation of what was going on, and even during it, than is usual. And I wonder, first, do you agree with that? And secondly, what is your explanation of why that's the case? Well, I, I do think that's actually that's that's right, Elliot. I mean, the mis there there have been many misjudgments in war in the past, but considering how much time and effort we spend now supposedly analyzing things and preparing for wars, it is striking how much of the analysis of this war got it wrong. I'd start by sort of grouping the reasons that we can see into maybe the large and the small, the meta, you know, so the micro and the macro. The macro come from, I would think, the idea that we haven't had this kind of state-to-state -state war for a while. And when we've seen large states go to war, we've seen primarily the United States go to war. And what the United States does, I think, does not translate very easily to what other states can do. So that uh, I think Russia was seen as maybe a slightly smaller version of the American military, when in fact it had done nothing like what the American military had done for, for decades. And there was too many easier assumptions that they would be able to pull off a lot of the complex operations. So that would be, I think, the, the macro, the sort of the large scale, the micro is that we we also lost track, or many people lost track of the Ukrainians in the analysis. That there was all this obsession about the Russians and Russian modernization and, and Russian weaponry, Russian doctrine. But it was almost like the, the Ukrainians were this patsy that were being set up to allow the Russians to show how great they were. And there was almost very, very little analysis on the Ukrainians. Um, and we forgot the fact that the Ukrainians could actually uh, disrupt Russian plans. So that would be my, my quick take. I don't know about, you know, how you would add to that or expand on that. Well, I, I, I mean, I certainly agree with that. I think uh, in particularly in regard to two things, um, you know, you're quite right that people thought of the Russians as uh, the, the difference between Russia and the United States as one uh, in quantity when really it's one in, in kind. I mean, yeah. um, and I think, you know, you've written very eloquently about the logistical dimension, I would add the air power dimension. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we people expected the Russians to have complete command of the air within a day or two, mm -hmm. and uh, they clearly couldn't pull off the kind of very complex air operations that we routinely can. Uh, and I agree about, also about the Ukrainians. In particular, I don't think people monitored the change between the Ukrainian army of uh, the early 2000s and the Ukrainian army after 2014. I think there's, there's uh, another... Uh, though deeper reason as well. And that is, I think a lot of the analysts lost sight of the fact that militaries reflect their societies. Yeah. And Russian society is, you know, just permeated by lies and corruption and brutality. And guess what? That produces a military which is riddled with lies and corruption and brutality and incompetence. Um, and that that helps explain it. I also think there's there's something which is a little bit more insidious. And that is, a kind of analytic intoxication with Russian doctrine, with Russian technology, yeah. which led people to ignore the human element of war, which, you know, is really what's uh, what it's all about. I entirely agree on both those points. I mean, it'd be interesting to see 
Starting with the economic, why did people speak of Russia as a great power when it is you know, economic? Its economy is not that large anyway, but it's, it's even not a productive economy. It's not a high tech economy. The Russian economy is a resource extraction economy, which, which produces very little. And yet that seemed to be almost entirely overlooked. Do, what about. do you think that is? Do you think that's just a, a hangover of the Cold War where we somehow just thought of this as a shrunken version of the Soviet Union? Or is it that Russian propaganda actually was fairly successful or at least fell on uh, willing ears, if you might? I think they're two, two, again, twofold. I don't know if say there's twofold to everything. But one, yes, there was the, the big Russia. Russia's big. And therefore, I think we we overlooked its economic size and looked at its physical geographical size and says that has to be a power. Then there's the slightly more insidious argument where you know, we've wanted Russia to present this military challenge for a while because that's what militaries do. They game against other powers and think tanks try to present military challenges. And therefore, maybe we, we stopped looking at the weaknesses or assuming there might be weaknesses and, and acted as if, well, what if they really did get their act together across the board? Yeah. And I, it went, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, th I think that's right. And, and at the same time, we underestimated the kind of extraordinary ruthlessness and magnitude of ambitions. I, I know we're, we're running out of time. I just want, I want to throw out one thing, then turn it over to you to wrap it up. You know, who's the author that I find myself turning to now? Mm -hmm. It's Clausewitz. Because <laughs> the, I mean, this war, is, it's got Clausewitz all written all over it. Why mm -hmm. did you wrap it up for us? Well, I mean, yeah, it's got Clausewitz and it's got General Meggs of the American Civil War, who's the yes. Union Logistics Commander. Those are the two I think about when I think of this war. It's